Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Welcome to the Stardom Cast, your audio source for all things World Wonder Ring Stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Godwin, and I am joined by Matt Turner. Matt, how goes it in the land of the free and the home of the brave? I am doing fantastic over here in uh, good old Pennsylvania. Things are well, and Katsuhori Shibata is back in the world of professional wrestling, so all is right in the world. Honestly, I don't think between that, um, some of the matches they've announced for that third day of Wrestle Kingdom, that LIJ match with Noah looks absolutely, it it looks tasty as. Um, But between that and obviously the announcements, like I said, it has been a tremendous week for wrestling. You've got Adam Page and Brian Danielson wrestling. What Meltzer is now deemed a five-star match. Um, The Best of Super Junior final between Aromu and Yo was tremendous. It's been a good week uh, for wrestling, Matt. Not only that, but if uh, any of my fans are listening, you're, it's been a big uh, week in the geek world as well, as Hawkeye was fantastic, and last night I saw the new Spider-Man movie, and that was fantastic as well. So you throw the holiday season in it, and only a couple days left of work and you know two weeks off. So, hey, things things are great. Things are blessed. And I'm talking to you, and we're talking to all things stardom today so what more could you want exactly exactly and on the point of spider-man that's i'm gonna go and see that tomorrow it's my brother's birthday tonight so uh we're gonna go out have a couple of drinks and then watch spider-man tomorrow which i'm very 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 excited for um it's been a weird day today but it's officially i am done now for the holidays i'm not back now till january the 5th so yeah all all is good in the world i'm feeling good i'm feeling uh i'm feeling fresh and can't wait to talk about these shows leading into what is inevitably going to be a completely roster-shifting night on the 18th in Osaka Super Wars, and we'll preview all of that later on. But first, we you talked about New Japan and the return of Katsuyori Shibata, which, you know, 
even if I wasn't going to be watching January 4th uh, Wrestle Kingdom, I definitely would be now. Um, just to see the man break down in tears and basically say, I'm coming back, is just, it's beautiful. And then, obviously, New Japan announced the cards for both the 4th and the 5th. Um, and announced that the stardom match that we sort of, we hypothesized that the way they were phrasing it um, would mean that the stardom exhibition match would in fact be on the main show. And that has been confirmed that the match between Mayu Ibutani and Starlight Kid and Tam Nakano and Sayak Kamatani will in fact be on the main card. It'll be the second match on the show on the 5th of January. So, I mean, that's huge. That is huge, Matt, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a big deal. It's going to be cool to see the reunion of Mayu and Starlight Kid. And this is a completely different Starlight Kid. I know last week we talked we talked about her being the uh, probably the most overall improved wrestler in the entire world, just going into this really uh, deep dive into her heel character. And then you're going up against the team of, well, really the – Two people that will be vying for the Wonder of Stardom title uh, just here in a, in a few weeks with Tam and Saya. Uh, obviously, this is this is huge. This is a big deal. Uh, they announced the third day as well, the New Japan Noah card. And I'm looking up and down on these three cards. There's almost 30 matches. Mm-hmm. And I think that when this is all said and done, if this match is given time, a good amount of time, this has a possibility to be a top four or five match, uh, in my opinion, just looking up and down the, the card. Absolutely. Honestly, I can't wait. I mean, I'm a huge Mayu stan, as I'm sure anyone that listens to this podcast knows, and I'm sure you know by now as well. But, you know, any match where you've got Mayu, Starlight, who has been tremendous this year, and I'd be amazed if she doesn't pick up some of the Stardom Cast awards at the end of this year, and then Tam and Sai are one of the fastest rising stars in the promotion. It, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a really, really good match, especially as they're probably going to be threading some storyline in there. You know, there's a reason that Starlight and Mayu are on one team. There's a reason that, you know, coming out of Sumo Hall, someone is going to have a beef with the other in Tam versus Saya. Um, I'm sure we'll give our predictions a little bit close to the time, but uh, spoiler, I do think Saya's taking that belt. Um, so we'll see going, see going into that match. But I just wanted to make everyone aware it is on the main card. It's the first time since Stardom has been announced on these Wrestle Kingdom cards, that it is on the main show. So you are going to be able to watch it live with English commentary on New Japan World for the first time. It's been a bugbear for Stardom fans having to wait because obviously they were dark matches before, but here they will be on New Japan World. So excellent, excellent times. Now, um, Rob, I want to I ask you, me yeah. and you obviously feel Utami is clear and far and away the best, you know, as far as this calendar year the MVP mm-hmm. of stardom. What do you think about her not being on the show? Do you think it's maybe they don't want to tip the hat at like, okay, if we have you, Tommy on the show, clearly she's retaining. Uh, do you think that that's something that they're doing? Or what do you think is the reasoning not having your 2021 MVP, not on this giant show to begin the, the new year? I mean, you look at, you could argue the same for Siri. I mean, the match that effectively put stardom on the map in 2021 that started this incredible boom period for the company and neither are on this Tokyo Dome card. So you can argue that, hmm, that is a little bit strange. But you look at the teams, you've got Mayu is the icon, Tam, who is one of the stalwarts of the company, and then you've got two young and rising stars in the company. So it could be... 
maybe Stardom are tipping their hand at, you know, these are, in Starlight and Sire, two people that you need to keep your eye on in the company this year. Maybe they're tipping their hat to show the things that they've got in, in place for them. Um, I am surprised Utami's not on the card. A little bit disappointed that Utami's not on the card, but ultimately... It's an exhibition match. I think if it was anything more important, we might potentially see a Utami or a Suri on the card. But just to have the promotion on the main card is a huge deal. So I'm willing to overlook that, if I'm perfectly honest, Matt. What about you? What What were your thoughts when you saw the match announced and the fact that it's on the main card and things? Obviously, it's awesome. And it's going to, you know, I kind of scratched my head a little bit and I was like, it's, you know, Starlight and Mayu on the, on the same team. Because you know they're obviously have this feud, this you know, this, this ongoing feud. But at the same time, you get to see them team again. In, I mean, this is going to be probably, and let's call it like we see it between views, between people in the building, the most watched start a match within a twenty four hour period. Obviously, some people over here in the states aren't waking up till three or four o'clock in the morning. Uh, excuse me, aren't waking up at three or four o'clock in the morning to watch it. So they'll watch it either later on that day, or the next day. But if you take the views that this match is going to get on New Japan World. You know, within a 24-hour period and then the 40, 45,000, however many people are in the Tokyo Dome, this is probably going to be the most watched starter match of all time. Plus, you put Hiroshi Tanahashi in there, who's been their, one of their biggest draws for the last 15, 20 years. And then, obviously, if Okada wins the match on the fourth, which I think he's going to, you're putting it up. You're going to have Okada, Tanahashi on the same card as the starter match. So you're going to have the most eyes on it. So this is obviously... An absolute huge, huge opportunity. And again, I think this match is going to be one that when people are doing the reviews on, when you have New Japan, uh, people doing the New Japan reviews on, people that don't watch Stardom, I think it's going to turn a lot of heads. And I think you're going to see a lot more people subscribing to their YouTube channel and a lot of people tuning into Stardom World because I think this is going to absolutely steal the show out of the uh, out of the three nights. Can't wait. Really, really excited. Um, the main point of this episode, really, this is going to be a significantly shorter episode than our last endeavor where we almost went two and a half hours. Um, it's We're going to look at the intervening shows between uh, Tokyo Super Wars and uh, Osaka Super Wars, which, as I'm saying, is uh, the 18th as we record, so tomorrow as we record. We're going to have a look at those four shows, uh, talk a little bit about our thoughts about some of the matchups, and then we will give an in-depth preview into the Osaka Super Wars card, give a few predictions, that sort of thing. Just before we do do that, Matt, though, I did want to sort of talk about last week's episode. We've, we've had a lot of really, really positive feedback. Um, some people have said, you know, maybe we should just have Chris and Matt and uh, get rid of Rob, which I thought was slightly harsh, but, you know, it's nice to have uh, it's nice to have fans, Matt. You seem to have been a huge hit. I don't know what the feedback was like at your end, but, uh, yeah, seemed to all go well. Yeah, everything was really good on my end. People really seem to enjoy it. Again, I have a lot of people over here that kind of want to get into stardom, but they don't know where to start, and that's kind of like where I was six or seven months ago. So I'm kind of just pointing them in the right direction. Hopefully the podcast helps. And again, if there's any questions, by all means, you know, hit up me, hit up Rob. Rob obviously knows a lot more about stardom than I do. I obviously have a kind of a different view on certain things, just kind of knowing a, a little bit of the, the, you know, the inside and outs of it. But by all means, everything, uh, you know, ask us questions, and uh, we really appreciate the uh, all the positive feedback. And that was just round one. And, you know, we, we're hoping to have a lot more rounds left in us. So I think we're kind of just getting getting our footing. So we appreciate the all the feedback. And I don't know who said get rid of, get rid of Rob because I think you're splendid. 
Oh, thank you. Very <laughs> appreciate that a lot, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> I needed if, that boost if we are, today. <laughs> if, if, if we if we were in a bar, I'd pick up your cab, sir. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> See, oh, such a gent, such a gent. <laughs> um, so I guess before we uh, before we hip into uh, Osaka Super Wars, let's have a look at some of the shows heading into it. So. Uh, the night after Tokyo Super Wars on the 27th, uh, they had a show in Fukushima uh, at the Big Pallet Fukushima in no- uh, November 28th, 2021. The attendance of 520, the first time they've run this venue this year. Um, we'll just, we won't obviously go through every single match, but there might be the odd match that I want to talk about, or might be the odd match that Matt wants to talk about. So we'll stop and sort of pick apart certain matches, but there'll be some that we just run through. So, for example, singles match, open the show, Ruwaka defeating Wakasukiyama with the freezer bomb in 6 minutes and 18 seconds. And then in the second match, Konami defeated Rina with the triangle lancer in 6 minutes and 6 seconds as she continues her march to her last match at Sumo Hall. Um, The first match that I want to talk about in a roundabout sense uh, is the following match, the three-way match with Starlight Kid uh, defeating Lady C and Momo Watanabe with the Momo Latch in 7 minutes and 29 seconds. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this match, Matt, was mainly the finish. And if anything epitomized this feud, it's the ending to this match, with Momo having done all the hard work, having got Lady C in position, getting ready for that pinfall, and Starlight Kid steals it. If ever there was an epitome of... Momo bottling it at the last minute, it's this finish. And I thought it worked perfectly for the feud and the story they are telling heading into Osaka Super Wars. What did you think? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't even look at it like that. Again, who, whoever say they want to get rid of you, you know, God bless them because <laughs> you're, you're seeing things here that I'm not, which is, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, obviously you have Momo. And Starlight Kid, this is just, again, just giving us little bits and pieces leading up to tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's big match. And, you know, I talked about this last week. We talked about how, like, Lady C is, like, 1 and 79. And, again, you're throwing, obviously, the main thing here is you know she was eating the pin. And the main thing, she was just basically here to kind of get beat up. But at the same time, she's in the ring with Momo and Starlight Kid. She's getting – and literally all the notes I have for all, pretty much all of her matches, these four shows, is – She's in the ring with the best of the best, and she's only going to get better. So obviously the main course here was, you know, we need to just keep threading the needle for the Momo Starlight Kid feud. But again, Lady C's, you know, we Lady C's getting better. Every time she's out there, she's getting she's getting better. But again, poor Momo. She's just doing all the hard work. And, uh, and yeah, like you said, and then everything gets completely stolen away from her. I mean, it, it, it's been the story of her 2020, 2021, to be perfectly honest. Everything from um, sort of her loss to Yutami all the way through this year, you know, from the five-star to her losing to Suri for the SWA belt to not being able to pick up the belt that she didn't even want from Starlight Kid. I mean, it's been it's been a year for Momo, let's put it that way. Um, yeah, it's been... Fairly brutal for it. Bless it. One thing I do just want to say, and it's something that I meant to point out at the start of the show, there's been a lot of praise for your fancy booking of the Momo angle. Uh, <laughs> I went on the Five Star Joshi podcast with Scotty Wrestling, who is just a lovely bloke. So if you haven't um, if you haven't seen that or heard that, please go and check him out. He's 
a great guy, great dude. Really enjoyed talking to him. Um, but I, I'm not going to lie. I shamelessly stole your idea. Shamelessly, Matt. And uh, he was a big fan. People in our Discord who are listening to the podcast have put, great idea. I love this idea. So, uh, yeah, your, your fantasy booking was a bit of a hit, Matt. Well, there's so many people that want to see Momo win the belt. And I think maybe with the heel turn, and if it, if it goes off as well, like, I, you know, not to, you know, tread again on what we talked about last week. If it goes real well, you have her uh, unseat you, Tommy, at her, highest, at her highest in her first match. And then you give her a run. And I think the way you lay this out is here's going to be her first four or five opponents. And if it doesn't work out, you can just put the belt right back on you, Tommy, and have her carry it through the rest of the year. But if it does work out, like, I think if they do go that way, it would. And then you have her carry it through the year. And then eventually you... uh you crown Julia the way that you wanted to, because I think that ultimately, I think that's their big plan. That would be fantastic because it, it kills two birds with one stone, really. You've got the Momo redemption arc, and then you've got the crowning of Julia, and then you've got Julia taking it off, you know, a heel in Momo Watanabe, and it makes perfect booking sense. Um, yeah. So and they want to turn Ju- they want to turn Julia face eventually, anyway. Oh God, yes. The amount of merch that Donna Del Mondo, you know, shift. I mean, you look at Yokohama in April. There's a reason, you know, aside from what they did with B. Priestley, um, there's a reason they had Donna Del Mondo headline. You know, they are merch sellers. They are one of the most popular, if not the most popular group in the entire company. So it would make sense to turn her face. Um, Other results on the card, you have the six-woman tag team match, Queen's Quest, Yutami, Azumi, and Saya Kamatani defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yanagi, and Mei Sakurai with the Star Crusher in 16 minutes and 5 seconds. And then the main event was an eight-woman tag team match with the Donna Del Mondo team of Siori, Maika, Himika, and Natsupoi defeating the Stars team of Mayu, Kaguma, Hazuki, and Hanan with the Ferial Gift in 17 minutes and 18 seconds. Both those final two matches the main event more so than the semi-main are good matches, the standard matches, matches that you'd potentially expect, but they are good matches to watch. Um, I was a particular fan of the exchanges between Mayu and Siori. I'm always going to be a fan of that. Um, And to be honest, I enjoyed that main event considerably, considering it's, you know, what is effectively a road to show, Matt. Yeah, I like the main event, but... I'm going to slightly disagree with you. I like the Cosmic Angels Queen Quest match just a little bit more. Okay. And just a little bit, not much. I mean, kind of flip of the coin, but poor Tam. Uh, if you remember, do you remember the entrance that happened here with I Cosmic do. Angels? <laughs> and then from the, from the from the from the gif you just showed me from the pat, uh, match last week, it's been a it's been it's been a rough few days <laughs> for the for the lovely for the lovely Tam Nakano. Not, but I guess she takes it all all in stride. God bless her. And I guess they're. Uh, I guess her good deed is getting a match at the Tokyo Dome. So maybe, maybe it was something like a, <laughs> if the wrestling gods were like, "Well, you want a match at the Tokyo Dome, you have to fall on your shirt when you and you dance, and you have to get <laughs> dropped on your head." And but you know, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe, hard yard maybe, you put in. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's how that worked out. But yeah, it's it's amazing how like a lot of these shows were kind of just road two shows and there was a lot of like really really good matches i mean one match we'll get to here um eventually is one of the best tag matches i've seen all year not only in stardom but through all the wrestling that i watch and again they're th- these are kind of just built i'm not gonna say throwaway shows because everybody works their asses off on these shows but 
yeah, there's some really, really good hidden gems. And maybe that's something that we can do. We can do maybe the, you know, top 10 hidden gems of stardom for 2021, because there seems to be a lot in here. I think that'd be a fantastic idea, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you. I mean, we're forgetting the Momo and Suri draw on the third of January, for example. That's a match that really sticks in my mind. But with it not being on one of these pay per view shows, um, it tends to get lost in the shuffle. And I know exactly the tag team match you're talking about because it's one I'm going to highlight as well. Um, it's absolutely tremendous. And in fact, if it's the same one we're thinking of, this is where we're going to see if we really are in sync. It's this Shinjuku match um, from the fourth of December. Is that right? Yes, yes, this is it. Yep, the main yeah, event. There we go. Yeah, it is the same one. So, <laughs> start of in Shinjuku, December the 4th, 2021, from Shinjuku Face in Tokyo, a sellout of 237 people. Um, I'll fire through these results, and then, Matt, if you want to talk about any of these matches, please just stop me. So, we opened with a tag team match, Awida Tai, Saki Kashima, and Fukugan Death defeating Lady C and May Sakurai with the O'Connor roll in 6 minutes and 41 seconds. Uh, match 2 was tag team match between Donna Del Mondo's Micah and Himika, defeating Oida Tai's Konami and Rina, with Micah pinning Rina with the Enka Atoshi in 8 minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, 6-1 tag match then in at three stars team of Mayu, Kogama and Hazuki defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tamnakano, Yanagi Sayaka and Waka Sukiyama with Kaguma getting the pinfall with a diving body splash in 16 minutes and 7 I seconds. I want to talk about this just a, just a quick couple seconds, uh, Rob, because I had a lot of notes on this one. Of the course. crowd re- really into the stars team. I mean, they probably got the biggest pop not only in the in their entrance, but for the finish and throughout the match as well. I thought Yunagi and Hazuki, they have really good chemistry. And there was another match on these, you know, quote unquote road two shows where the two of them are just forearming the bejesus out of each other. So that's a match I would like to see somewhere down the line. And I thought Waka is looked looked really good here. She had a lot of really good near falls that I actually almost bit on. And she, her pace her, her pacing of the matches seem to be picking up a lot more as they go along. And I think maybe it's something that that's stardom may look at if they're not already looking at putting her in the high speed divisions. Cause there's only a couple, you know, wrestlers that are in the high speed division. I think Waka, you know, in the next four or five months, if she keeps improving the way that I'm seeing it, I think she'd be a really good addition to that. I think it's a good thing that she's in the ring with the likes of Kaguma and Hazuki. Um, I noticed the crowd reaction just like yourself and Stars seem to have been completely revitalized on what has been a very ordinary year for the faction. You think they've lost, admittedly, Gokin Death, which isn't much of a loss, but they've also lost Starlight Kid to Uedatai, Jungle Kiona, who was due to come back and then has subsequently left the company. It's been an extremely ordinary year for Mayu and Stars. So to have someone of Hazuki's caliber, the comeback that we didn't expect, no Stardom fan expected, especially after her very very uh suspect leaving let's say um to have a comeback i think that has certainly rejuvenated the faction and certainly has attributed to a lot of the crowd reaction completely agree with Waka. and as you said about yunagi and hazuki they're building on a little mini feud between those two they had that time limit draw um and then there was a little bit of hostility in the tag league i believe or on some of the tag league shows so they're certainly building towards something there. It's something that I'd like to see on the undercard of a pay-per-view show. It's certainly something that I would like, you know, 
we want Unagi to get better, and she's been progressing, you know, at an accelerated level over the last couple of months, especially. And to put it in ring on a big stage against the likes of Hazuki, we saw what she did with Tam, you know, when she's in the ring with the with someone with the ring smarts of someone like a Tam. So to put her in there with Hazuki, with the fuel of an actual story, a, a built storyline. It's only going to be that. It's only going to benefit Unagi as well, and especially as they are putting so much stall in her as this babyface. I think it's it's a no brainer for me, to be honest. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. But again, they're the way that they build up their wrestlers. It's it's absolutely amazing. They do pro wrestling right by keeping it simple. We move on to the semi-main, which was a tag team match between the Queen's Quest team of Momo Watanabe and Saya Kamatani, and they defeated the Oida Tang team of Starlight Kid and Ruwaka with the European Clutch in 9 minutes and 58 seconds. This is something that was pointed out, that Saya is winning with more and more variations of the Clutch, and it was pointed out that this is possibly leading to a huge near-fall at Sumo Hall, where we're sort of conditioned to sort of bite on these clutches because she's been winning so much with them, and then time kicking out of the last second. It's something that I would love to see. Um, again, I'm of the opinion that Saya is going to take the belt off Tam, and something they did on the 12th. Um, it doesn't lead me to believe that, but it's it's the story they're building, I feel, anyway. Um, what did you think of this, Matt? Was it anything that stuck out to you apart from obviously the continued hostility between Momo and Starlight? Just a, another really good match. I mean, anything with Queen's Quest. I mean, these four ladies in Queen's Quest, they just remind me of, you know, I'm showing my age here, the four horsemen of like back in the 80s where you can literally, you know, obviously Flair was the leader, the tag team was Tully and Arn. Then, you know, I'm talking about the with Barry Windham, mm. but you can mix them, you can mix them up. You can put Arn with Windham. You can put Flair with Tully in the same way here. You, you, Tommy usually teams with Saya and Momo usually teams with Azumi. But as we saw in these shows and in previous shows, you can mix them up any way, and these girls are going to have the show stealing. So, I mean, it's another really good match. And, and uh, to piggyback on your point, yeah, I think we're going to see a very good near fall in that match with, uh, with Tam coming up at the end of the year. And that I, this is, again... Stardom does a great job not only building up their wrestlers and building up their entrances and building up their the storylines, but now we're building up one move. We're building up one move for, and we're only going to be building this up for five or six weeks because it's not her finisher. She, you know, now she has three, really three finishers. She has this one, she has the Star Crusher, and she has the Phoenix Splash. So I think we're all going to bite on this on this near fall because that's what they want us to do, and that's just great storytelling. But I think how it's going to end is if Sai is going to get the biggest win of her career over Tam for the white belt. I think it's going to be Star Crusher into the Phoenix Splash. I think it's going to be a combination of her final two big moves. So this way, it looks like she has to unload the entire toolbox to beat Tam, which in the end really only makes Tam look better even on a loss. It's like she had to do everything in order to beat me. Especially as it's been a huge storyline of Sayib for the entire year that she has struggled to hit the Phoenix Splash. Um, you know, she tried multiple times in the five star and came up short. So to finally have that catharsis of hitting the Phoenix Splash, and she's saved. I think she's only connected with it twice. I think she connected with it to take the tag belts. Oh, three times, sorry, the tag belts. She won the Cinderella tournament with it as well, and I think she hit it at the Tokyo Dome, um, which I don't think Stardom are considering canon. 
Um, but even so, you know, that is a very, very pathetic move. Saya does not connect with that often. So it would not surprise me if that's her sort of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, her nuclear option come Sumo Hall. Um, and just just to sort of go a little bit off-piste here, I think this is the best build that we have had to a set of shows in um, Osaka Super Wars and the Sumo Hall show. I think this is the best build Stardom have had for the majority of the year because there's such a focus. They've got time to build the title matches. I think we'd be having a very different conversation what if Osaka Super Wars was a show where it was just your standard pay-per-view with towels on the line because there wouldn't be enough time to build those storylines between um, this and Sumo Hall. Not in the 11 days, not the story they'd want to tell. So I think giving them this lengthy time to build Saya versus Tam and Utami versus Suri, I personally think this is one of the best builds they've done all year, and it's because they've allowed it to breathe. They've given it time to build it properly, Matt. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It almost reminds me of Jado and Ghetto's booking with New Japan maybe four or five years ago where you're building the Okada and the Tanahashi and we're taking a Bushi out of the light heavyweight division and we're putting him in you know, the heavyweight division. It's almost like as if they're basically almost conferencing call the two of them and, and uh, saying, hey, you know, what do you guys think here? Or what do you guys think, think there? But you're exactly right by what you're saying is they're giving it time to breathe. They're not rushing anything. They, you know, they're trusting their instincts. And their instincts, they're right because everything seems to be clicking. And on a business aspect, I mean, you mentioned the numbers last week. They're up you know, sub- everywhere. I mean, there's no company in the world outside of AEW because they're only running two years that have had this growth from, from year to year. You know, it's absolutely amazing. I think it's only going to get better. And again, you know, especially with that Tokyo Dome show, I think you're going to see a lot of people, especially over here in the States that subscribe to New Japan World, that for the, you know, the eight bucks and change American that's going to cost them that I think are going to subscribe to, uh, to Stardom World after the show. So uh, what they're doing, everything is just absolutely brilliant. Mm. And speaking of that, we we head to the main event, which is the tag match that me and Matt were talking about that is one of the best tag matches all year. Um, Queen's Quest, Yutami Hayashita and Azumi defeating the Donna Del Mondo team of Suri and Natsupoi with the torture rack bomb in 16 minutes and 11 seconds. Sometimes matches are great, irrelevant of the story going in. And you look at who is in this match, Utami, Azumi, Suri, and Natsupoi, absolutely fantastic in ring, all four. But then you add the story of Utami and Suri and the aggression, the adrenaline, and the story that's been following them since June into this very high-pressured tag match. And Jesus Christ, Matt, what a match. What a high-paced, ferocious 16 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about how Momo and Starlight Kid, they're, they're building their stuff up in these, these tag matches and uh, six, six lady tag matches and whatnot. But Utami and Siri, that's obviously that's the bread and butter. That's going to be the final match of the year. That's what this is building to. And again, they're, they're, they're giving us just a little bit, you know, just a, a little bit to, to wet our beaks. But it got to a point literally where I just put down my pen and paper. I take notes old school. I put down my pen and paper, stopped taking notes, and I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy this as a fan. Because this was this, I mean, all four of them, they had great chemistry. Obviously, the main storyline is the Utami series stuff, but even Azumi stuff with Natsupoi was excellent. Azumi stuff with Siri was really good, and Utami stuff with Natsupoi was really good. Everybody 
was on point. The match didn't drag. It didn't go on too long. Everybody got enough stuff in. The psychology was great. The timing was great. The ring positioning was great. This is this is a match why I love pro wrestling and why people need to tune in to stardom because it's it's some of the best wrestling on the planet. And this match is is you know the stamp of approval on it. And if you didn't like this match, I, you know I'm sorry. I'll give you a hug. I feel bad for you. <laughs> there you go, glowing and diamond, if nothing else. Um, completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. I mean, you, we know you, Tommy and Siori, have that great chemistry. Azumi and Natsupoi pulled on, you know, put on one of the hidden gems of the year in that high speed match at Budokan. Um, Azumi's had two bites at Siori's SWA belt. Both matches really, really good, and the match in the five star as well. So we know that these four women have tremendous chemistry, and you put them in a ring, no matter where it is, no matter what the story is, and they are going to put on a match that's enjoyable to watch. And I'm the exact same as you. I stopped taking notes. I've had to watch this match twice because the first time I just watched it and forgot to take any notes whatsoever and just enjoyed it. And sometimes as a wrestling fan, someone doing a podcast, you do have to take notes because you want to talk about the things in the match. You want to talk about a certain move or a certain spot and you want to remember it. But for this, it was just a case of this match absolutely slapped and is up there with one of the best tag matches of the year. In fact, if I were putting my Stardom Cast Award votes forward now, this would get my tag match of the year hands down. Yeah, either this or the final of the tag league. And that's what I was thinking of when I watched it again. I went back and watched it a second time. Mm. And I thought, geez, you know, either this or the finals of the tag league. But I, I might have to go back and watch that. And again, I probably would put this if somebody you know, I asked him, give me your top five tag matches in all of wrestling. This would probably be up there. That's how, that's how good this was. I mean, AEW's had some bangers. Ring of Honor's had some bangers uh, in the tag division. But this was just, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all fans. Whether we're, we're doing this to study or we're doing this to take notes or we're doing it to pick apart for a podcast, at the end of the day, we're all fans. And, uh, I mean, this is, again, this is why we love wrestling, matches like this. No, completely agree. Completely agree. What a way to cap off that show as well. And you talked about Hidden Gems. That show from top to bottom at Shin- in Shinjuku, genuinely a pretty good show from, you know, considering it's a fairly, like you, I don't want to say the word throw away because, you know, that would undermine the word that the women did, but it's not a show you need to go out and see. But even so, I thought it was a good show, top to bottom. There was no dead wood to throw away. And even that main event, it went 16 minutes, a shade over 16 minutes. It's not, you know, an epic thing that you need to take, you know, go, right, I need to block out my time to watch this. It's over in a flash and definitely one. If you take nothing else on this podcast, please do. But if you don't take anything else on this podcast, that match, one more that we're going to talk about, okay? There's two matches you need to check out, definitely. Um, but that aside, let's move to December 11th, which started in Chiba uh, from the TKP Garden Center in Chiba in front of 261 fans. Um, again, I'm just going to read through these results. Matt, please stop me if there's ones you want to talk about. Uh, we open with a three-way match, which saw Azumi defeat Mei Sakurai and Waka Sukiyama with the diving double foot stomp in 5 minutes and 56 seconds. I don't want to talk about this match in, in much detail. I just wanted to ask you a question in terms of Mei and Waka. In ring, 
who do you see having more potential, Matt? Who do you sort of, who is your eye drawn to? Who is better doing the basics? Obviously, these two are at the start of their careers, respectively. Who do you think has the most potential? Who's got the, who's got the basics down the best? Waka, because on these shows, I've been biting on her inside cradles. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, she's going to go over Izumi. She's going to go over Mayu or, or whoever. Uh, it, it's close. It's close. If somebody said, well, I disagree with you, obviously. I mean, there's a lot of room for growth for the two of them. So we'll see what happens. But I think Waka right now, I mean, it's three, four months. It could change. I think right now Waka is just a little bit uh, ahead of Mayu. And I think that her selling's better. Her timing's better. Her interactions with the crowd is better. Uh, again, it's not by much. How about you? Are you on the the, the same boat with me, or you can disagree with me? Completely agree. Completely agree. I am. I am very much Team Wacker. There aren't teams, but I am Team Wacker. I'm not a huge Sakurai fan, um, just because I don't. Her character is very bland. She seems to be very wooden, and I think we mentioned it last week that she. It seems to me that she is still learning her lines in a play. She's yeah. not quite at the point where she's giving the expression. And whilst Wacker is still very obviously a rookie, that she has that personality. You want to get behind her. You see her getting beaten down and you almost feel sorry for her. You're like, not Wacker, come on. You know, you know, she comes bouncing to the ring and she has that bubbly personality. Whereas May is she hasn't got anything so when she's getting beaten down when she's on the receiving end when she's that baby face in peril i don't feel anything and you know on top of that i know wacker's offense is very drop kick heavy but she does it fairly well whereas may i still feel is very wooden and even here wacker joined the company after may you know not long after but still after but i think wacker has surpassed may and I disagree. I think she's surpassed her by a long way. Um, I'm sure the company have got a lot of plans for me, but at the moment, I see Wacker as someone that we can invest a little more time in than May. Um, but again, that's just my my personal yeah. opinion. And not to beat down on uh, May anymore. Again, you know, she'll obviously improve, but oh, yeah, sure. you're, you're right. She, she, she's obviously a very wooden character, and she's part of the most charismatic group in all of Stardom. Like yeah. when they come out and they're doing their dancing and they're having fun and they're all smiling, she just doesn't look like she should be part of the Cosmic Angels. And again, in two, three, four months, maybe that'll change. Or maybe if it doesn't change, you know, maybe flip her and just, you know, make her a heel and put her in a weed of tie. You know, I, I, I don't know. But we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I agree with you on a lot of, a lot with Waka. I think she's going to be, she's going to prove quite a bit as, uh, as I've seen on these shows, you know, just like Lady C. Uh, the more reps that they get, especially with the higher caliber, wrestlers you're only going to get better yeah absolutely completely agree with you um we move to a tag uh, singles match sorry between saya kamatani and ruwaka with saya getting the win over ruwaka with a frankensteiner in six minutes and 15 seconds we then move to a tag team match queen's quest team of momo and utami defeating mayu and lady c with momo getting the pinfall with a b driver in eight minutes and 30 seconds 
the match I want to talk about, or one of the matches I wanted to talk about, is the semi-main, the tag team match with uh, Hazuki and Kaguma, FWC, and Cosmic Angels, Tam and Yunagi, ending in a time limit draw, 20-minute time limit draw. Now, again, you know, I'm on record with my thoughts on time limit draws and the uh, the regularity with which Stardom was using them at one point. Um, but... Again, as we mentioned earlier on the episode, the story and sort of feud that they are building between Yunagi and Hazuki, I felt this draw made sense, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this was this was just an absolute another banger. And it all started with, uh, I thought Tam, her chemistry with Koguma was really good. And then she got her, her second arm back. back. It seems like Koguma's going out and, like, she's stealing everybody's stuff. But, like, she put her in some sort of, like, lake submission and then took, like, her little arm glove sleeve. And I thought that was a that was kind of a funny little thing. And then uh, Tam Hazuki had a really stiff forearm exchange. And then Yunagi and Hazuki had a real stiff uh, forearm exchange. But I thought this was this was awesome. This was just a shade below the, the tag match that we just talked about from the from the show prior. I thought this was absolutely excellent. I, I did not mind the time limit draw. Not only the fact, but like how it ended. It literally ended with Hazuki having Yunagi up in her finisher and the brain buster. So it's like the, that was like to say if I only had five or six seconds extra, then the uh, the Stars team would have won. In terms of the totem pole as well, if you think about the totem pole of the roster, yes, Yunagi and Hazuki are in this mini feud, if you will, but it's that way of saying Hazuki is still just that little bit above Yunagi. Yunagi is getting there, but she is still not quite on that level. And I think that's important to remember that Yunagi is the underdog. She's fiery. You know, she's bringing it to Hazuki and she's doing it in a far more convincing way that she has done before. But it's important to note that Hazuki is the veteran. Hazuki is still just that little bit above Yunagi, and it helps to forward that story on as well, which is excellent. Yeah, and one one quick little thing I want to point out before we move on is Yunagi's forearms in the beginning, they were pretty good, but as it was getting towards the 15, 16, 17-minute mark, she was throwing like, okay, I only have a couple minutes to finish. It's almost like if you're watching a UFC fight and a fighter's getting beat, and he's only got about two minutes in the in the fifth uh, the fifth round, to end it and he's just throwing everything he has and that's kind of like what reminded me of Yunagi is that her forearms progressively and her strikes progressively got better as the match was going and there was a sense of urgency for her to finish this and not only that but if, if you know to finish it and if she can get a win over Hazuki that's only going to just raise her stock anymore it was just that little bit of tidbit that I really really like from Yunagi and she just seems to be improving again this whole roster is just improving but she's the one that's improving leaps and bounds of where she was six or seven months ago and uh, I know we touched upon it earlier I would love to see somewhere down the road you know uh, a Hazuki Yunagi match you know 12 13 minutes because I think that would be a you know an absolute hidden gem going into 2022 do you know what I'm going to piggyback on the end of yours um on the end of your point as well and just say that one thing I struggled with with Yunagi was sort of every every time she would have an offensive segment or her momentum was swinging her way, everything felt the same. The emotion level was the same. And that is something that I think the five-star truly helped Yunagi with. That run in the five-star really helped her have those peaks and valleys in her offense. So instead of just everything being fiery and screaming, now we've got desperation, she's showing exhaustion. We've got those different emotions that ultimately help you invest 
more in a character. And slowly but surely, I am investing more in Unagi. And I was her biggest detractor. Quite literally, I was her biggest detractor. But as this goes on, as the year goes on, and as she continues to improve with those peaks and valleys, that roller coaster of emotion in her matches, I feel like she is getting significantly better. Um, and that's really important because stardom are huge on Unagi. And again, I think I mentioned it. I can't remember if I mentioned it with yourself or with Scott. I would be very, very surprised if she's not in the mix for the Cinderella next year. Incredibly surprised. Yeah. I mean, early pick just at the top of my head, I think it's going to come down to Azumi and Yunagi. I'm not going to say Azumi because I said Azumi last year and she got wiped out in the first round by Rena. So... <laughs> I mean, do you know what? You eventually, eventually got to be right. You know, it's if like, I you say know, Azumi every year. No <laughs> every That's year. like... For like five years straight, I always uh, no, I, I would always pick Nakamura in the G one. Yeah, and then because I'm 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 big into the strikers. And then once Nakamura left, I'm like, oh, it's got to be Shibata. And then it was never. I was like, oh man, just like yeah, it's always it's Okada, Tanahashi, Ibushi, you know, as well. Ibushi's a, a striker as well. But yeah, that was I'm like, oh, it's gonna be Nakamura. It's gonna. Well, I got right. I got it right one year. I think the seven <laughs> years in a row that I went with Nakamura and Shibata, I eventually got it right. And then it's funny, my wife, she'll watch. Uh, She'll she'll look at the brackets. It was like two years ago. She looked at the brackets. And at, at this time, I did a podcast with my tag partner. And we would poll the fans and whatnot. And she was the only one at the beginning of the G1 that picked the Bushi to go over Jay White. And I'm like, there's like 40 people that have completely different results. Like, you just walked in, looked <laughs> at it, and like, oh, it's going to be a Bushi over Jay White. And then walked out and went to making dinner. She's the only one that got it right. <laughs> I was like, how, how do you do that? I picked the wrong winner. I've been watching this stuff since I was three. Like, how does this work? I think genuinely, as a wrestling fan, you just you create these own scenarios in your head. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for episode 423 of the Stardom cast where Izumi finally wins the Cinderella. Like <laughs> I told you. I told you. When I'm 63, I knew it had happened. <laughs> Yeah, and we're recording from a we're recording from a spaceship. <laughs> I've been telling you for forty years he was gonna win the Cinderella. I'm just this old man yelling at pigeons in the park. I knew it was gonna be to win eventually. <laughs> Grandpa Simpson over here. <laughs> uh, um, the main event then of this cheaper show was an eight-woman tag team match with Donna Del Mondo, Siori Maika Himika, and Natsupoi going over the Uida Tai team of Starlight Kid, Saki Kashima, Fukigen Death, and Konami. Uh, Siori submitting Saki Kashima with the White Tiger in 17 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, what was your opinion on this, Matt? This was, you had eight people, you had eight in here. Um, it didn't get, sometimes you have that many. Uh, people in a match, it can get a cluster more times than not. When you're calling this match, you're calling 90% of it and everybody, you know, and I mean, in the back, not in the ring mm -hmm. and everybody needs to know where they're, where they're going to be at. And if you have one mistake, it can like the domino effect can happen. This can be a disaster. And this wasn't, this was great nonstop action. And, uh, Everything made sense. Everybody looked good. And in all these shows, I mean, we talked about how Konami is pretty much going to wrap it up for a few months uh, at the end of the year, well, which is in two weeks. But Konami in all these matches has looked good. She's She hasn't let her body go. She's in shape. All of her strikes look look stiff. She feeds in to make everybody else look good. I thought Konami was the MVP of this match. And for someone who's kind of, you know, winding things down a little bit, you know, for a few months, sometimes they, uh, they kind of just mail it in. And she's been doing absolutely the complete opposite of that so kudos on her but i thought this was really good everything made sense it didn't go on too long and again i thought konami was the mvp of this match 
Yeah, completely agree. Um, to be honest, nothing else that I can say about this match that you haven't already said. It's it's your standard main event, but again, the standard has been raised so much in stardom this year that it's it's still a fantastic match. You're looking, you know, if you're getting star ratings, you're still going three and a half, you know, as a rating for this match. And uh, you look at who's in this match, Suri, Micah, Natsupoi, Himika, Starlight Kid, Konami, and even the likes of Saki Kashima, who is so vastly underrated as a singles and tag wrestler. It, it's a great time to be a stardom fan. And this match sort of encapsulates that, um, just the talent involved. Um, I just want to quickly, now I know you haven't seen this show as of yet, uh, Matt, so I'm not going to spend too much time on the stardom year-end fan meeting, simply because we'll probably whip through it in a little bit more detail when Matt's seen it. Um, but it's from Belsal Takadano Baba. Butchered Impressive, that. sir. I don't know. It sounded good to me. We're, we're going with it. <laughs> that's that's we probably new, what it is. <laughs> we, we, created, we, we created a new Japanese dialect here over on the Stardom cast. There are so many vowels. Um, <laughs> um, December 12, 2021, in front of 351 people. Uh, we started with a three-way match. May Sakurai. Uh, getting a win over Rina and Ruwaka via disqualification in three minutes and 46 seconds. A tag match. Matt, Lady C and Micah defeating Cosmic Angels. Yunagi and Wakasukiyama with the giant backbreaker in 839. Oh my God. Lady C gets her second victory. Yes. Lady C is going to be a big deal come the end of the summer, beginning of fall of 2022. I'm telling you. Absolutely. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not like, you know, the rock big deal, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we're not she's going to be red in the f- belt lady C just yet. <laughs> Fast and the Furious 15 starring, you know, John Cena, <laughs> the rock and lady C. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely as well. She didn't look out of place here tagging with the likes of Micah against Yunagi. I thought she fit in really well. Um, the fact that they gave her the pinfall as well not Micah, I thought was a really good sort of indicator of what they think of Lady C. I think her progress this year, especially in the tail end of this year, has been tremendous. And again, like you mentioned last week, it's a case of reps. I mean, she's had 80-odd matches now this year, and the fact that she's only won two of them is irrelevant, really. She's a rookie, but you look at who she's been in the ring with, who she's been teaming with, who she's been learning from, and the future is quite literally bright for Lady C. Um, so, yeah, it was nice. It, as a match, it was fine. But the big news coming out of this, Lady C with her second win, her first tag team win, excellent news, excellent news. And we actually have a question in regards to Lady C. So I just wanted to fire this past you and see what you think. So it's from the 94th minute on Twitter. And it just says, which faction do you think Lady C will go to or would be a great part of? A replacement for Himika or Natsupoi in DDM would be great, although a spacing Queen's Quest is looking likely to appear very soon. Um, Is there a particular preference for you as to where Lady C goes or are you just happy with where she is at the moment? I think if maybe, I mean, Cosmic Angels all of a sudden, you know, they almost doubled their amount. I think maybe there, you know, I mean, really, you can see her with any one of those factions. Mm. Stars, I mean, I don't I don't think you flip her and go to a Weedle tie again. We talked about last week, everybody's in a Weedle tie. I think my daughter came off the bus. I think she joined while she was at school the other day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Went to school and then came back, back with black makeup on. What happened to yeah. you? 
Yeah, we were walking in to go see Spider Man last night, and she hit me over the head with a chair. You know, that really didn't happen. <laughs> I'm just saying. I was like, I'm turning. <laughs> yeah, may, I, just, I don't know Queen's Quest because it just seems like the four of them, like whoever. I mean, I'm obviously we'll touch upon, it, but we all think that Momo is is leaving. But it's like you would literally have four people you can put in the main event scene. And I don't think Lady C's just there, but at the same time, that's a good learning experience if she's in tags, you know, sixes and, and eights. Uh, with with the Zumi, with Saya, and obviously with Utami, obviously Stardom, from what I've been seeing, is hitting home run after home run after home run. So I'm sure wherever they they put her, you know, it's somewhere that obviously she's, she's going to blossom. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. So I don't know where where do you think that or where she goes? That thoroughly depends on Osaka Super Wars. I mean, with Momo gone from Queen's Quest. And with Hina, you know, continuing school and not being back till early March, I've heard, that leaves three people in Queen's Quest. And you don't particularly want any of them to be, quote unquote, pin eaters. Um, Putting Lady C in there would certainly make that considerably easier. It would allow you to build the likes of Azumi and Sire, especially. in terms of Donna Del Mondo, I mean, if we're going off Matt's booking, which apparently was very popular, and we have Himika leave, become the muscle of a weed tie in Tora's absence and with Konami gone, she could certainly fit in there. Again, once Julia comes back, you've then got the ability to push Natsupoi higher up. Um, I can see her in either of those factions. I don't think she'll join Queen's Quest, uh, not Queen's Quest, uh, Cosmic Angels, simply because they've already got Mei Sakurai and Waka Tsukiyama as, as their rookies, so to speak. Um, stars have already got Hanan. Um, obviously, you don't want to spend too much time with Hanan eating the pins, but even so. And obviously, Sayurida to come back. I see it. Awida Tai have got 483 members, so I think it's a mixture of... Uh, it's going to be either Donna Del Mondo or Queen's Quest. I I personally think she will go to Queen's Quest. Um, but again, my predictions are dog shit and you shouldn't listen to me. So, you know, you, know. you, you convinced me and then you try to unconvince yourself. How you convinced <laughs> me? I was like, oh, he, he makes sense on stars. And he's like, well, Sia's coming back. And I was like, I don't know. I think stars makes the most sense, but again, we'll, 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 we'll see where she, I was like, yeah, he makes sense. And then you, you don't even realize that you talked yourself out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my life, Matt. Um, but on that note, lady C has said that she has made, um, her decision in terms of which faction she will be joining. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see that over year end climax or even the sumo hall show, maybe, I think it's more likely to happen at Corrigan, um, but we'll see. Um, we then had tag team match, the team of Momo Izzy, Momo Watanabe, and Azumi defeating the Donna Del Mondo team of Himika and Natsupoi with um, Azumi locking in at the Numero Uno in 12 minutes and 26 seconds. Anything you want to say about this match, Matt? I didn't see it, remember? Oh, of course you didn't. No, ignore me. Sorry, it's because we were talking about Lady <laughs> C. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll give a little inside baseball why why I didn't watch this match. I'm usually pretty good at doing my homework. So Rob sent me a text message a few days ago, and he said, hey, on Friday, we're going to record 4 o'clock my time. Now, there's a five-hour time difference. He's yep. five hours ahead. 
So I, for some reason, I think I even texted you back, okay, that's 9 o'clock my time. Fine, no problem. That works for me. I'm off the whole day at work on Friday anyway. No big deal. So I slept in, and sleeping in for me is like 6, 6.30. I slept in a little, went to the gym. I figured I'll have a nice, long, two-hour workout. I'm about 45 minutes into my workout. It hits me like a ton of bricks. Wait a minute. 4 o'clock your time is 11 o'clock my time. I still have half the show on 12, 11 to watch and the entire 12, 12 show. So I finished my workout, <laughs> came home, ate, showered, and then I was like, all right, I only have, you know, I got through the 12, 11 show, and I'm like, all right, I only have maybe about 20 minutes to watch one match. I went right to the main event, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way this thing's going 20 minutes. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch it later. So it was funny. So I came home, and I was telling Amber, my wife, I was like, yeah, I need the, the main TV with the fire stick because I have to watch. I said, She's like, I was thinking about that. You were telling me last night you were recording at 9 o'clock, which would have made it 2 o'clock his time. Like, I don't know. Maybe he really like stardom. I didn't say anything. I was like, well, you're the voice of reason in the house. You should have picked up on that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so ignore that. Again, we'll, we will do it in a little bit more detail next week. Um, I'll just run through the results. Singles match, Hazuki and Konami ended in a time limit draw in 15 minutes. Um, the semi that? Oh, brilliant. Really, really, really good. Like you mentioned before, Konami isn't going out without a bang. And Hazuki is able, at the moment, she's on a run where she's able to wrestle a sheep and still have a great match. So wrestling the likes of Konami... I, I, I never heard that here in the States we say broomstick. You oh, could, you could, it was you could genuinely the first animal that came into my head. It started, <laughs> as I started the sentence, Matt, it was going to be broomstick. And then <laughs> halfway through the sentence, it's all mutated and just turned into sheep. And I just sort of went with it and hoped it wouldn't be brought up again. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to be using, go. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be using that at shows. I'm like, oh, that guy's so good. He can wrestle sheep. It'll make it look good. And I, I just want to see the head turn. <laughs> And then I'll report back here on the podcast. There's another reason why to subscribe. I'm going to be using all these fancy terms that you use, and we use them use them at my my independent shows, and just to see, you know, what what happens. Please report back. I look forward to the looks of just complete what that you will get. They'll be, they'll be like, man, Matt, he's taking way too many German suplexes. Um. Uh, tag team match then the stars team of Mayu and Kogama defeated the Uida tag team of Starlight Kid and Saki Kashima with a diving body press in 11 minutes and 25 seconds solid match again you've got the history between Mayu and Starlight and uh, Mayu and uh, Saki so it was a it was a really good match I, I can't say much more than that Kogama obviously one of the most improved people in stardom over her relatively short run with the company this year i thought she was fantastic in this and she's the one getting the pinfalls as well for stars so really important for her and then we reached the main event which was a sort of ryogoku prelude uh, a tag team match with utami and tam nakano defeating the suri and sayakamitani team with a bt bomb in 22 minutes and seven seconds just two things I wanted to pick out from this match. And again, we're going to be reviewing this in a little more detail when we do our Osaka review next episode. One thing I wanted to point out is that Tam and Saya, every time Saya hit Tam, Tam was smiling. 
because she wants Saya to unleash. She doesn't want the flashy tam, uh, Saya that's, you know, flinging herself over the ropes and doing planches and doing, you know, all these sorts of unique moves. She wants someone who understands how important it is to embrace, you know, the ugly side of wrestling. And we've talked about that many, many times during Tam's reign. And when Saya is resorting to just literally smashing Tam in the face with forearms, Tam's happy about that. Yeah, finally, I'm getting someone who understands what that means. And you just got the little bit of a taste in the opening exchanges, especially of Sia sort of going, right, well, enough with the springboard Frankensteiners, enough with the planches, enough with, you know, all these fantastic moves. I am just going to beat the shit out of you. And I'm going to prove to you that I am worthy of holding that white belt. And I think that's something that is going to be escalating throughout the time before we get to December 29th. And finally, uh, unfortunately, this match, despite it being a very, very, very good match, it's probably going to be known for one of the scariest botches I've seen in stardom. Um, Utami attempts to sort of give Tam a lift over the top rope. Um, so from inside the ring, Utami is sort of holding Tam's feet and sort of throwing her backwards over the ropes. Tam gets a foot caught on the top rope and lands right on the top of her head on the apron on the outside. And in the background, you can see Suri and Saya Kamatani. You can see the look of genuine horror and concern on their faces. And how Tam gets... How Tam gets up, never mind finishes the match, how she gets up is absolutely unbelievable. It's such a scary bum. And I said to you, man, it takes a lot to make me audibly, like, wince or scream or go, oh, my God, out loud. And this did. And I had to keep rewinding it because I had to make sure that she hadn't you know, there wasn't some sort of real damage done. Thankfully, there wasn't. Like I say, she was able to finish the match. But I forwarded you the the gift that's been made. What did you think? Almost looked like it reminded me of like some of those Masawa Kawada match bumps. But those were planned. They were like, we're going to drop you straight on your head. And you can kind of, if you know that's what, it's what you're going to do, you kind of have in the back of your head that you're going to tuck your chin a certain way if you can. And obviously your neck muscles and your shoulder muscles, when you come down that fast, that hard on that part of the apron, it kind of probably just goes quick in a blur. And again, it's absolutely amazing that she was able to get up. And this show was, you know, uh, almost about a week ago. And we haven't heard anything like, you know, Tam's out, Tam's the concussion, nothing. So she must have just barely escaped i mean she again the way a lot of these people are training when you're trained right in pro wrestling it's a lot of neck bridges i know going through a similar you know japanese style training at the ring of honor dojo it was neck bridges for minutes and that's what they want you to do they want to strengthen your neck muscles because that's the style of wrestling that you wrestle we see a lot of suplexes not only in japanese wrestling but in stardom as well and I'm assuming that was probably maybe the main thing that saved her. She probably, in her training, probably does a lot of neck bridges, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of shoulder work out as well, because that was that was ugly. And you know, thank the good Lord that obviously she she was okay as as you know as she was, because unfortunately stuff happens in wrestling all the time. You never know when you're going to have a botch happen, and like it, it looked like how you just said, Rap. It looked like her foot just got caught in the top rope, and she just couldn't rotate over all the way. She only rotated half the way. And, Land it right on your noggin. Just, yeah, <laughs> it it it's a scary moment. But again, 
thankfully she's able to power through. It's a match we'll talk about in a little bit more detail because it does sort of cap off that build towards so- Sumo Hall that they've been doing between those two um, main event matches. Moving on then to Osaka Super Wars, which will be taking place on December the 18th from Edian Arena, Osaka. Um, there's two things really that are taking place on this card. Obviously, we've got Suri taking on um, Mei Sakurai, Wakasukiyama, and Lady C in a gauntlet match, which might be the most sadistic thing we've ever seen, depending on what mood Suri's in. Um, Lady C for the win here, right? That's... <laughs> Carrying on with that. We'll see. We'll see. There is a chance. She's, she's on a roll. It'll be two in a row. You know? <laughs> Imagine Suri heading into the 29th of December, having been rolled up by Lady C. <laughs> She's with the baba tap and the and the choke slam and that's it. <laughs> Hashtag Lady C for the red belt. <laughs> um, <laughs> the two big things heading in then are um, a tournament uh, to be held between different factions with a ten million yen prize, which is about eighty eight thousand uh, dollars American, about sixty six thousand uh, pounds British sterling. Um, between the teams of Stars, which is Mayu, Hazuki, and Kogame, uh, the Donna Del Mondo team of Mai Himipoi, so Maika Himika and Natsupoi, the Cosmic Angels team of Tam, Mina, and Yunagi, and the Marvelous team of Takumi Aroha, Maria, and Rin Kadakura. Um, also, it has been announced that the DDM Artist of Stardom Championships will also be on the line so now i am assuming that it is on the line for both matches it only says it underneath the marvelous one but i assume whoever wins that match will then put them up in the final as well now the two matches that we have in the semi-finals, and we'll get onto the final and the stipulation of the final in a moment, but the two matches we have in what are effectively the semi-finals are DDM versus Marvelous and Stars versus Cosmic Angels. Let's start with Stars versus Cosmic Angels. Uh, Matt, which way are you leaning in terms of that match and why? Stars, I think they, I think they need it. You know, Obviously, you know how we talked about a little bit ago that up the stars were kind of just Mayu and friends up until Hazuki got there, and I think they kind of need they need the the run here again. I can be completely wrong, but we're going to get to see more Mayu versus Tam, so they're going to see that sprinkled in a little bit with the uh, with their feud. So, but that's I'm kind of leaning towards stars uh, stars for that, and I I want to see them in the final match um, of this tournament, and we'll get to that in a second. How about you? Which way do you, which way are you going on this one? Initially, initially, I thought Cosmic Angels, and this was a couple of days ago, simply because of the push that they're giving Yunagi. But unfortunately, Mina has a certain propensity to be the Cosmic Angels' pinnies. Whereas you look at the Stars team, then certainly not going to hand Azuki a loss. They're definitely not going to hand Mayu a loss. So your only option is to pin Kogama. And with the sort of way that Kogama has been doing running up to the build-up of Osaka. I just don't see that happening. Plus, if you look at the stipulation that has been given to the main event of this tournament, I just don't see them not having Mayu in that match. So, yeah. 
for me, it has to be stars. I think it'll be a great match, especially when you consider the history between the two factions throughout this year. Um, but I I can't see past stars for this match, especially because yeah, they are they are the hottest faction at the moment with the addition of Hazuki. Yeah, and well, Cosmic Angels were part of Stars at the beginning of this year, correct? Of course, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Should, regardless, the match should be fantastic. The other semi-final is the Donna Del Mondo team and Artist of Stardom champions Micah Himika and um, Natsupoi taking on the marvelous team of Ring Kanakura, Takumi Aroha, and Maria. Matt, which way are you leaning for this, uh, and why? Again, this would be another absolute banger because you have some heavy hitters in here, mm-hmm. and then you have Natsupoi who throws f- for somebody her size does some phenomenal German suplexes. Absolutely. But, uh, Again, the whole we talked about Mayu being in the the finals for the stipulation reasons. I don't think there's any way that you don't have Natsupoi in that because I would love to see what she's going to do with that with that stipulation. And not only that, but a DDM are the artists of Stardom champions, and I just I see them uh, getting the win here again. I can be completely wrong, but I have DDM and Stars in the finals. Completely agree with you. Completely agree with you exactly the same reasons and on top of that i just i don't see i don't see marvelous coming out of this with the artist of stardom belts I, I just don't irrelevant of how we seem to be integrating more marvelous into the shows which is great and i'm all for that i just don't see them taking the artist of stardom titles yet they may well do next year i just don't see it here um and i don't see them coming out of the show so even if they win them here I can't then see them losing them in the final and holding them for, what, an hour or something like that. I just don't see it happening. It, it's a far sounder booking strategy to have Donna Del Mondo win here to retain and then to lose them to stars in the final, which is, spoiler, what I think will happen. But I do agree. We'll talk about that stipulation, the ladder match, the first ever stardom ladder match. Um, this was put forward by Mayu because, you know, she has absolutely no sense of self-safety so uh this, basically the 10 million yen is going to be hung but basically it's money in the bank quite literally money in the bank um hi-o, hi-o, I was a singer. <laughs> um I, I see stars walking away with this and the belts. I think not only does it crown stars as, you know, the hot faction at the moment seems to be a trend of stardom that the hottest faction holds the artist of stardom belts. They did it with DDM. They did it with cosmic angels. It just seems to happen. So, you know, with the addition of Azuki, which we've spoken about the momentum behind stars at the moment, I just see them winning. Um, it also feeds into the um, sort of dissension between Himika and Natsupoi. I can see them sort of barreling through Marvelous with the help of Micah, um, so they can sort of get away with, you know, little bits of miscommunication and things like that. But with a ladder match, it's very simple to make a mistake, but sort of get angry. So I can see Natsupoi coming off the top of a ladder, missing who she's going for and accidentally hitting Himika. I can just I can see. Cl- yeah, or she's climbing up the ladder and say... Mayu super kits Himika and she takes a bump in the ladder and knocks Natsupoi off or vice versa or any any one of those. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of different variables that can happen in the match. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be stars and DDM in the ladder match and I, I see stars taking it. Yeah, I do. and again, 
I think this could effectively be the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of the relationship between Poi and Himika. Um, yeah. Where that leads us and where, you know, who leaves or if anyone leaves, if there's a rift that develops in DDM, because as I mentioned, there's been no real rift in that faction yet. They've been strong, they've been solid, they've been united since their uh, since their formation. So what happens, I don't know, but I do see them losing them here and that feeding into that overarching storyline of can Himika and Natsupoi coexist? Um, not, yeah, not only that, but if, if Stars wins this match, it automatically makes those titles because you're putting on you're putting on Mayu mm-hmm. uh, and Hazuki's and obviously Hazuki and Koguma, they they won the tag league. It automatically makes those belts better. I'm not saying they've been bad on the Cosmic Angels or DDM, but automatically you have the icon of Stardom, the Ace of Stardom. You're putting the belts on them, and the first ever ladder match that automatically raises the prestige of the uh, of the Artist of Stardom title. And my only my only real big question is what's the under over of dumb bump, ladder bumps that uh, Mayu is going to take? I'm talking like suplexes, power bombs, superplexes onto the ladder. I, I'm saying it's four. We actually have a question. That exact oh. thing from our Discord, <laughs> um, Velkid on our Discord. Tell me a prediction of the worst thing Mayu will do in the ladder match. Doesn't have to be anything special. Just think of imagine. Just think of a ladder match and imagine a Mayu spot there. <laughs> um, honestly, it's going to be mental, isn't it? You know that she's going to do something. You've seen her lack of self safety when it comes to her own suicide dive. So I can see her doing something utterly mental, whether it's superplexing someone or whether it's tiger suplexing or dragon suplexing someone off the top of the ladder or whether it's using the briefcase and swinging off it and doing a, like, senton or something. She'll do something mental. It'll make everyone go, holy shit, what on earth are you doing? But yeah, it'll she just may do be the, Mayu. She, she, she may even do, like, the ladder moonsault where she takes maybe, like, a smaller ladder and the other five are on the outside, and she does, like, the moonsault from the top rope onto the outside, like you see, like, Hangman Page do from time to time. That's, yep. that's a, that, that might be the opening spot, knowing her. It wouldn't surprise me if we get our Jeff Hardy moment. It really, really wouldn't. Um, and then, you, of course, like you mentioned before, we've got Natsupoy as well. So to have those two high flyers or relative high flyers, it, it makes sense that we are going to get something utterly insane. We, they've got a spot planned. There's not a chance that they would put forward Stardom's first ladder match one and have Mayu be the one to announce it and the tournament. It would be really funny if they go out in the first round now after having been the people who said, yeah, let's have a tournament for 10 million yen. It'd be really funny if they went out in the first round, but I don't think they that's, would. That's total Vince McMahon booking like the past two or three years. Like, oh, let's put the Cosmic Angels and uh, Marvelous, you know. <laughs> We're totally around <laughs> it. It'll be interesting. But how do you not have Natsupoy and Mayu in that match? But to me, when you look at it, it's just like these are going to be great matches, but I think it's very predictable. But then again, I mean... <laughs> Who knows, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully we get this one right. And I think I have a really good feel. I'm not going to put any money on it. But I have a really good feeling that I think we have at least the finals right. Don't you think it's the most Mayu thing in the world, though, to put forward this idea for a tournament and then get knocked out in the first round? Yeah, I'm going to roll up. Yeah, something. exactly. Hey, in like three minutes hey, in hey, the most boring match. <laughs> she's running a spot with Unagi, then all of a sudden she like, misses the super kick and she gets schoolboy. <laughs> like, that, that, that's it. Get back to the curtain. Yeah, it's, we got to keep her. We got to keep it running. Because like, the, there's only 
only a few matches on this card, right? There's just the tournament, the uh, the Lady C beating uh, Domination of Siri, and yeah, uh, hashtag Lady C for the red belt, and then the main <laughs> event, right? That, that that's all that's on here. Five matches. Yeah, I think that main event's going to go long. I think that main event's going to go like 45, 50 minutes. It wouldn't surprise me, especially with the stakes in place. Um, So basically what we have here is in our main event, we have a... Oh, no, it's only 30 minutes. It's a 30-minute time limit. So um, it's a captain's fall eight-woman tag match. So basically you've got Queen's Quest team captained by Momo Watanabe. Momo, Sayakamatani, Utami Aishita, and Azumi. And the Oedatai team, captained by Starlight Kid, which also includes Ruwaka, Saki Kashima, and Konami. Now, the match ends when the captain, Momo Watanabe, or Starlight Kid, takes a pin. Now, the defeated captain, whether that is Momo or Starlight Kid, then must join the opposition unit. Now, if Starlight Kid loses not only does she got to join queen's quest she's also got to take off her mask um now what are you thinking matt well you know the 30 minute time limit what i mean everybody's been speculating this for a while what if they just go they just have an eight person tag match it goes 30 minutes. Nobody gets eliminated. We're like, ah, nope, we're, we're back to the way we were. Nobody goes anywhere. I think that'd obviously be a huge disappointment, but it would be like, well, at least Momo's not leaving. But um, obviously, I think the uh, Oita Tai team is going to win. And no disrespect to them, but on paper, you know, if you're looking in-ring performers, those Queen, that Queen Quest team is so much better. So much better. But Starlight Kid just came out with a book that you can buy on the website for like $150 American, where it's like a photo book with her. Obviously, she's in her mask. I don't think, you know, they're obviously pushing that hard because they've already gotten two emails about it in the past 24 hours. So they're pushing that hard. They're not going to have her on mask here. Uh, and again, it's it's not Survivor Series rules. Again, it's, it's, it's whoever the captain has to get pinned. But if another member from the team gets pinned, they leave. Yes. So I think I think the it's going to come down to Utami and Momo versus Starlight Kid. And I think something's going to happen where there's a misfire with uh, Momo and Utami, and Momo's going to get rolled up. I don't see Utami getting beat here, not unless they do like a disqualification or a count out. I don't see her getting pinned less than two weeks before her big main event match with Siri that we've been building up for you know the past few months. So I, I, I think there's going to be some sort of flash pin or some sort of miscommunication. Uh, that that's going to happen here between uh, maybe Momo and Utami. And again, that could lead Momo eventually goes, obviously she has to join a weed tie. She embraces the dark side. And then, you know, they kind of build off that and do the Momo Utami match from there. Um, that's kind of just my theory. There's a couple different avenues that they can do, but I think that the finish of the match is going to be Starlight Kid pinning Momo and Momo going to a weed tie. And I think that's, Majority of people I talk to, I think they all kind of agree with the agree with that theory. But again, I think there's something else that's going to happen in this match that we don't see, and I think it might be, you know, the Utami accidentally hitting Momo. I I am in complete agreement with you, apart from one thing. Um, I think Momo is leaving for a weeder tie, um, for all the reasons we've outlined over the last two weeks. Um, 
it, it makes most sense, not only because Starlight Kid has only just revitalized Oedotai, not only has Starlight Kid just released a book with all the pictures with her in a mask for $150, it just it makes most sense for Momo's career to go to Oedotai. However, who is she closest to in Queen's Quest? Azumi. Zoom. So wouldn't it make so much sense because you think if we are having eliminations both Saya and Utami have got huge title matches coming up at Sumo Hall but True. a roll up no one gets hurt with a roll up especially as they have built Saya and Utami pretty strongly in the lead up to this pay-per-view I think you know a little bit of miscommunication a little bit of a weed tie cheating because don't forget heel faction you know if they cheat who cares? You know, Utami gets hit with a chair, then rolled up, and no one notices. Or someone sacrifices themselves. So say Ruwaka gets disqualified for hitting Utami with a chair, and then she gets rolled up, and Ruwaka gets disqualified to sacrifice herself to get rid of Utami. Something like that. That, I think, would be fine. That's not going to colour my opinion of um, hers and Suri's um, Sumo Hall match. But imagine if it came down to Momo and Azumi. You know, they've got to the Tag League final twice. They're really close friends. And then Azumi accidentally gets Momo pinned. And then you've got mm. that story going forward. It would just hit that little bit harder as you watch Queen's Quest and watch Azumi literally staring at Momo. You know, you've got that mirror image of when Starlight left stars for Oedetai and Mayu, literally staring at her, being tied to the post and being unable to do anything. Maybe I'm trying to make it a little bit too poetic. Maybe I'm trying to add a layer that's unnecessary. Maybe they could do it with Utami, and then the reason that Momo goes for the Red Belt is because Utami is the reason that Momo ended up on Oedetai. You know, it's another wrinkle to that potential story if uh, Utami retains over Suri. But I do yeah. like the Azumi I mean, story. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, here, here's two other far-out ideas. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but I mean, you you watch enough wrestling, you think, you know, expect the unexpected. What if Queen's Quest turns heel and they attack Momo and they leave her for dead? I mean, that's one thing. And then another one, what if it comes down to Utami, Mobo, and Starlight Kid, and then Momo, right towards the end of the match, embraces the dark side, takes out Utami, and then lays down for Kid. Again, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's pro wrestling. You never know what they're going to do. I've got a feeling that second one is more likely. It's something that crossed my mind. You know, look at, you know, just eventually that jealousy that Momo, she does have for you, Tommy. We know she has that for you, Tommy, in storyline, obviously. Um, but that has crossed my mind. That that could happen. It's it's on the fringe. It probably won't, but I think that is far more likely. Um, but I think the most important thing to note from this is that both of us think, nah, she's she's going to a weird time. There's absolutely not a cat in hell's chance that Starlight Kid is leaving to go to Queen's Quest, having already shifted unit this year. Yeah, and then coming in 20, if that happens, which we all think is going to happen, come uh, 2022, eventually Queen's Quest, they have to get a fourth because all the other factions have 110 people. Who do you think? Who do you think that, who do you think in the upcoming months is that fourth person? 
I mean, you've got Hina to return. I know that's not a huge return, but even so, um, you know, you've got Lady C who needs to find a faction. You've got an absolute raft of free agents that have just come out of Ice Ribbon. Um, At-Res Girls has pretty much shut down now, so you've got all of those as well that could potentially come on board. You know, you've got Kyrie, who is a free agent now. That's potential. You've got a whole host of directions that Stardom could go in, and Stardom is in the best position financially it's been in for years and years and years, maybe even ever. So the potential to get more people in to add to factions is it's now basically now is the time. And actually our final question that I wanted to put to you, Matt is from Papau who um, has asked, is there space for another heel faction in stardom? Um, What do you think? Sure. You know, why not? I mean, divide it up, make have everybody four or five people. I guess you can do that again. There's a lot of free agents that are out there. Mm. So yeah, that's that's a possibility. That's a possibility to, and, you know, and then obviously they're running more shows, and you put all this stuff on their their YouTube channel. And again, you're we're only paying the same amount per month, whether they run one show per month or they run thirty shows per month. So we're in the position where it's like, well, it's not costing us any extra money. We're already paying that, you know, per month. So it's like if they run two to three shows per week it's great on us, the subscribers. And then it also, you know, it helps them out because content is king. They'd be getting more content out. So yeah, if they expand the roster by a couple people, you know, I know uh, from what the wrestling observer reported earlier this past week is that stardom has reached out to Kari saying that they do want her back. Um, she hasn't re- uh, had a, a response yet from what I understand. Obviously Dave Meltzer, he's the say what you want to about him, but he's the king of wrestling journalism. So Nine times out of ten, he's usually, you know, on point. But I think it's only a matter of time that uh, she comes back because she wants to come back to to wrestling. She wants to come back to wrestling in Japan. And obviously, stardom is the hottest it's ever been. The company's grown like crazy. So I think uh, you'll see her come back. Um, and, you know, who knows where she goes? Maybe she does go to Queen's Quest. And then you can kind of maybe break up, you know, one or two members of each faction and then throw them in another heel faction with some of the other uh, free agents that are out there. So it's interesting. It's interesting to uh, to see what they're going to do. What about you? You think that uh, there's room for another heel faction in stardom? Absolutely. It it stops a weed time being overexposed as well, which was a huge issue at the start of the year. Um, not only was that an issue, but obviously their, their lack of direction, but having that extra heel faction, even if, you know, they're a heel faction always gets beaten or something like that, it does take the heat off a weed of tie. So I'm all for it. Um, I don't think we need hundreds and hundreds of stardom signees. I don't think we need to get into 2022 and start hiring every single free agent on the planet. They've got a very talented roster, an extremely top-heavy roster. But, you know... One more faction certainly isn't going to help, and it certainly makes for more tasty matchups as well, rather than just relying on you know repeated matchups. So I'm for it. Why not? Sure. Why not? Um, but I think Matt, we're going to leave it there. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. Um, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are quite literally everywhere please 
don't forget to check out our new YouTube channel, The Stardom Cast. You can find it if you just type it into YouTube. We're currently in the process of uploading all of the videos onto the site, so please bear with us, but please go and check it out and subscribe. Um, you can talk to us on Twitter at, at The Stardom Cast. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just search uh, Matt Turner OF. All my information is there. Any questions, suggestions, you want to talk about anything? Uh, I also have merchandise up there as well. I have T-shirts, uh, stickers, photos, whatever you need for your final minute holiday shopping. So, um, uh, as always, appreciate the the feedback and always the the support, not only for the Stardom Cast, but uh, for my independent wrestling as well. So, uh, greatly appreciated. Um, you can talk to me on Twitter at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week with our full review of Osaka Super Wars and looking ahead towards December 29th and Stardom Dream Queendom. Until next time, guys, I'll talk to you guys again soon. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.